frankly, I never feel adequate. I never feel qualified. I never feel sufficient. But the reality is the Word of God, the Holy Bible states that when I'm weak, He is strong. It's not by my strength anyway. It's not by my adequacy. It's not by, by my ability, my sufficiency, my might, my qualification. It's by His Spirit. And so when I feel inadequate, I have to train my feelings to submit to the truth of God's Word. Hey, hey, welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. And we are hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. Come on now, whoop, whoop. It's a great day, hallelujah. It's a wonderful day to be alive. I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad you're alive, amen. But let's hit this idea of inadequacy and these feelings that come that um, it's just the reality of life in general. Now, I, I'm, I'm a minister uh, of God. This is um, what I've been called to. It's the call of God on my life. It's uh, what he, ha he has equipped me to do. But rarely is there a time that I actually feel that I'm qualified to do this to be who he's called me to be and to do what he's called me to do. And it's kind of like in raising children. When you have children, um, you know, when you have, when you're preparing for your first child, you know, you're researching and you get all, you get all the things with all the great reviews <laughs> and then you get all this stuff and you spend all this money and you get, and you realize you don't even use half of the things that you get, right? Because they're just, I mean, the concept is nice, but you realize it's just, it's not what you actually need. What your child needs most is you. And there, you're not going to know everything, but there's this instinct in you um, that kicks in and um, that you, there's things you just, you just know are right. And um, you just start to fumble through some things and you figure it out, right? And so really a lot of things in life are that same way. You know, it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. You know, for many years before I ever stepped into full-time ministry, I worked um, a secular job. And so actually there wasn't, there was not one job that I worked, a secular job, that you would say that I was technically qualified. Like I hadn't been trained specifically for that job. I might've had some adjacent <laughs> knowledge and training that, that could help in that. Right. But I did it and I did it to the best of my ability, which was that always, uh, you know, perfect. Absolutely not. But I gave it everything, um, that I had. And then, um, you know, our daughter was born and, and then I began to uh, stay home and knew I was going to, um, homeschool her. And I began to prepare for that. Did I feel, uh, adequate to be able um, to be a homeschool mom? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, and I, I was a great student in school, um, but I still didn't feel adequate to <laughs> to teach my child all the way through high school. Like, you know, 
Um, there were a lot of things I knew I didn't, didn't have the knowledge, but you know what? There are a lot of resources that made that a lot e easier. And, you know, I had to put in the time and the research, the preparation and year after year, preparing for every year. And, you know, and I didn't do like a box curriculum. So there was a lot of preparation um, that I needed to do, but it was absolutely important to me because I wanted to train Cecily how to think. I didn't want to teach her what to think. I wanted to teach her how to think. And I found in most education, they actually don't teach you how to think. They teach you what to think. And this was extremely important. Besides the fact I wanted to stick to our values and I didn't want her spending more time in a day with people who I did not know um, well enough to know actually their values in life, right? And so... It's the same, you know, with ministry and really it's going to be the same with most people start, start a new business, you know, and they're like, I, I, you know, everybody wants to, they say, have all your ducks in a row. You know, they, they want to have all their, their T's crossed and their I's dotted. They want to have everything in, in, in everything, everything in place and everything going. But if you wait till everything is lined up, what you consider perfect, you'll never do anything. And so I think that it's extremely important for us to deal with the feelings of inadequacy that come. But when I say deal with them, really the reality is, is dealing with it is this, suck it up, buttercup, <laughs> you know, get over yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, not that we are fit, qualified, and sufficient inability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us, but our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. And the first part of verse six says, it is he who has qualified us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient. You know, now Paul is specifically talking here about ministry, um, but I, I can say this to every born again Christian. Every one of us are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us are called to make disciples. Every one of us are called to go out and win souls and to bring uh, people uh, into the kingdom of God. And so, but many times people don't feel adequate. They don't feel like they got enough knowledge. Well, really, if you know him, then that's really, a, a, that's what you need to know. You need to know him and your personal testimony of, of how he's changed you and what he's done for you is, is, is a sufficient, powerful way for God to reach other people, um, for Christ also. I had this situation when I ministered last week at, in a, a women's meeting and one of the ladies, a precious, precious lady in the Lord. And she came up to me after and she says, look, I want to ask you a question. And so she was sharing with me that she'd been having people get a hold of her oh, um, that were dealing, they were all dealing with similar kind of circumstances, which were very dire, um, required faith and, and great encouragement to stay in faith no matter what. And she says, I just don't, I said, I don't even know why they keep contacting me because I don't feel qualified to do this. And I looked straight at her and I said, well, God must think you're qualified because 
Why else would the, these people don't even know one another and yet they're all calling you on similar circumstances. So God must think you're qualified, meaning that God's already qualified you. You already know what to do. You just don't realize that you know what, what to do. And, and so then I gave her just some practical, a, a very practical spiritual exercise that, that the spirit dropped. And she's like, oh, that's a really good idea. I said, and I said, if you prepare this and you're ready for, and it was amazing. We had the, it was an amazing, we probably talked like 10 minutes. This was after the meeting was over and everything. And I thought, you know, and that's how we all are. And this lady is much older than I am. And like I said, a strong woman in the Lord, very precious, just loves the Lord, full of the Holy Ghost, you know, but even she felt like I'm not, I'm not qualified. Why, why don't they go to their pastor or why don't they do this or what? I'm like, well, God obviously feels you're qualified. That's why he keeps sending them to you. Amen. And so we will have feelings of inadequacy and pretty much that's going to be the walk of faith, (laughs) right? And so if you're going to live a life of faith, there's going to be a lot of unknown things in your life. There's going to be a lot of trusting God with the things that you can't yet see or you don't quite yet understand. But you've got to trust, as Paul said here, you know, he said, not that we are fit, qualified and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. But our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. And this is for everything. This is one of the most amazing things that I absolutely love about David. I mean, like, I just, there's a lot of thing about, things about David I feel connected um, to. And I want the opportunity <laughs> to sit down in heaven and talk with him, right? I just, I just do because, you know, He developed such a personal relationship with God as he was alone in the fields tending to his father's sheep. And in that, I don't know if he ever recognized or realized that the preparation that he was having in that field alone tending to his father's sheep um, would prepare him not only to defeat the giant, but to really become the head of God's people, you know, and a king of a nation. Like, did he actually ever think that, you know, and one of the amazing things about him is that he came in when, when the whole 40 days, the Israelite army had been facing off with Goliath for 40 days. And he comes in just to bring some supplies to his brothers at the instruction of his father. And when he gets there, he hears Goliath step out with his daily taunt to the armies of the living God, the most high God, the most holy God. Amen. And he's thinking to himself, what are all these warriors of Israel standing back here, shaking in their boots and hiding, you know, in the pit. And so he's like, wait a minute, what's going to be given to the one that can defeat him? He had such confidence and his confidence resided in the one whom he knew, right? And he knew there was this Um, There was a cause. There was a burning on the inside of him. No way am I going to let this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God. And because that burned on the inside of him, then he knew it was up, up to him to do something about it. And so he knew God enough 
to know it didn't matter if he was just a kid and looked like a punk in the eyes of everybody else around him. You know, it didn't matter what his brothers thought, if they thought he was arrogant or prideful or whatever. It didn't matter if King Saul didn't think he would ever be able to do it because he was just a boy and he couldn't even um, operate with the armor um, that, that, that warriors were used to wearing. It didn't matter. This burned. There was a cause that burned on the inside of him. No way was I going to, am I going to let this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God. And therefore, since he knew that burned in him passionately, he was the one called to do something about it. And he knew God well enough after spending days and nights in the fields alone with his father's sheep that he could count on God, that God was trustworthy and that his confidence would rest in God. He knew no matter what, though he'd never faced a giant before and though the giant was a lot different than a bear or a lion, it did not matter because he knew that his God was going to give him the head of that giant that day. Amen. And so, you know, for many, when we, many people will see someone like me stepping into the call of God on my life and think I'm arrogant or full of pride um, because they don't know God like I know God. And my call wasn't a conference call. And God did not get their opinion about me before he appointed me. No more did he get um, you know, their opinion about you before he appointed you and whatever it is he's called you to do. Amen. And so the reality is, is that I know my God and as inadequate as I feel 99.9% of the time. I mean, there are just every single, I mean, every time. Every time I get to, to minister the word of God and preaching and teaching, every time I sit behind the piano um, and, and begin to lead worship and, and singing and, and, and music, and every time I go to pray with people and every time I come up against a, something new that I don't know, but I need to figure it out because it's important for me to move in to the next thing that God wants me to do. Every time I feel inadequate, every time I feel un equipped. And yet I, every time I have to turn my feelings off <laughs> and turn my faith on. Amen. I have to make my feelings submit to what the word of God says, reminding myself regularly. It's not by my might and it's not by my power, but it's by his spirit. Because this is something that I learned a long time ago. Now, I'm not saying that I'm always great at it. It doesn't mean I still don't find myself going there sometimes, but I recognize it much quicker. Anytime I find myself in a place of frustration, it's because I'm relying on my own power and my own might. It's because I'm relying on my own thoughts and my own understanding. Things totally opposite of what God's word says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your steps and make them plain, straight and smooth before you. And so in you're going to have, it doesn't matter. And then that reality is you're going to have people that are going to make you feel inadequate by the words they say. Like I said, David's brothers 
uh, you know, his, uh, think he's arrogant and full of pride. The king's going, I don't even know. King Saul, I, there's just no way you can go up against. This is a seasoned warrior of the Philistine army, and you're nothing but a boy and a shepherd at that, right? I always, you know, I, I think about when Nehemiah, he, he had, again, there was a cause burning in him when he found out that though people had returned to Jerusalem, they were like, um, they were just prey for the predator because they, their homes weren't built back up. They didn't have a wall around the city. There was no way they were protected from any enemy. And so there again, like with David and Goliath, there was a cause, something burned. Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer. He was the one that stood before the king and made sure that everything that was given to the king to drink didn't have poison in it. <laughs> Amen. And he was obviously very beloved by the king because, and, and he was also must've been a very happy, joyous individual because when he comes before the king with much sorrow and grief and heaviness on his heart, the king recognizes it immediately. You've never been like this in my presence all the time that you've been here as my servant. What's going on with you? But there was something going on because there was a cause that burned on the inside of Nehemiah. Do you think Nehemiah felt equipped to go and build a wall around Jerusalem? He'd never probably done anything like that in his entire life. But there was a cause that burned on the inside of him. Therefore, he knew that meant he needed to do something about it. You're going to have feelings of inadequacy. And if you ever get to the place that you don't feel inadequate, you need to check yourself. You've got to check yourself. You've got to realize that, you know, this is, this is, you know, I... I'm nothing without God. I'm nothing without Jesus. And I can do nothing without him. I can do nothing apart from Jesus. And actually, the more I get to know him, the more I realize I cannot do. And the, the more I realize that I am nothing apart from him. You will have feelings of inadequacy. And that's the life of faith because God's never going to design for you a life that doesn't require you to live by faith. And faith isn't moved by what you see. It's not moved by what you feel. It's not moved by what you hear. It's moved by the word of God and by the spirit of God. Contrary majority of the time to your feelings. So when your feelings are, I'm inadequate. You know what Joel says in Joel chapter 3 and verse 10? He says, let the weak say, I am strong. <laughs> let the weak say, I am strong. Why? Well, if you go up to verse 9, it's Joel, Joel is, is proclaiming by the Spirit of God, proclaimed this among the nations, prepare war, stir up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am strong. The, the Amplified says, I, a warrior. Why? Because they weren't, many of them weren't warriors. So they didn't feel strong. They felt inadequate. We can't do this, but God says, let the weak say, I am strong. Why? Because our strength comes from him. Again, it's not by our might. 
It's not by our power, but it's by his spirit. And he clearly states in his holy word that when we are weak, he is strong. So the reality is, is that you can totally understand that you are nothing apart from Jesus. You can totally understand and, and know within you, every fiber of your being, that, that you can do nothing apart from Jesus. And likewise, you can stand confidently that no matter how big that giant is, no matter how large that project is and all of the, the skills and that it's going to require, no matter uh, what you know your bank account says and what the cost of this next project that God has you do, it doesn't matter. You can stand confidently that if God's called you to it, then he's equipped you and qualified you for it. Amen? Because that's the reality. When you feel inadequate, I have found that's the best place to be because then you don't rely on yourself, you rely on him. Amen. Hallelujah. You rely on him. And that's what our life needs to be. Total and complete reliance on him. You just have to cause you. You have to make your feelings submit to the truth of God's word. And when your spirit is strong in the word of God, then you're going to be able to make your feelings feeling submit to the truth of God's word. Because no matter what you feel, as I can only imagine how David felt, I can only imagine as ne how Nehemiah felt, because then he had the naysayers show up too, and the haters show up while he's trying to build the wall. People there trying to defeat his very plan and purpose, though they didn't know it, they could see what he was trying to do. And they were his enemies and against him. And there they were standing day in and day out, a taunt Nehemiah and all the other um, Israelite people that were there that were trying to help and making them feel inadequate and that they're never going to get it accomplished. And then they would send letters and try, try to deceive a Nehemiah and get him away from the work that he was called to do. And Nehemiah says, look, I'm engaged in a great work. I don't have time to come down and talk and have a conversation with you. Why? Because Nehemiah felt adequate? No, but because there was, there was a cause, there was a passion, there was a fire burning on the inside of him that said, I don't care what they say. And then at times then Nehemiah had to stir up the rest of them that were there because they felt afraid. They fe felt inadequate. They felt fearful. Then Nehemiah probably never even thinking he'd ever be in that position as a leader, as the governor, at, at, you know, really to pull everything together and get that city um, put back together, right? As a leader, he had to stir them up and remind them that this assignment is from God in heaven and, and we're called to this and we can do it because God, it's God's purpose, it's God's plan, it's God's will, and he has equipped us to do it, right? You know, you, I always think about Gideon. The Lord finds him and, and says, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's looking around like, you cannot be talking to me, although there's nobody else here. Wait a minute, where'd that voice come from? Because I am not a mighty man of valor, right? Like the word to Joel, let the weak say I am strong, which is basically what, what Gideon had to do. He had to stir himself up according to God's call on his life. You, if you think about this, so God, Jesus picks his 12 disciples 
And you can tell almost immediately in those 12 that how he was going to really, you know, pull to the forefront, in particular, Peter, James, and John. Well, James, John's brother, is, is um, actually martyred fairly early on um, in the book of Acts, you know, so he, his, his work was done pretty quick. But you can see Peter and John then come to a great forefront in the work. And you can see that while Jesus was still um, walking on the earth. But these were fishermen. It's not like they were trained in the law and the prophets and, and, and the books of Moses. They, you know, they, they weren't trained in that. You know, Not that they didn't know it, obviously, because they were Jewish people, so they would have gone to synagogue and stuff like that. But they weren't trained in that. And yet God used them, and in particular, God used Peter especially, but even John, fishermen, not, um, you're not, not in any line of training of a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a scribe or, or, or whatever. No training whatsoever in the law or, you know, just the normal Jewish teaching in the synagogue or whatever, and the sacrifices in the temple and everything. Use Peter... To, to reach the Jews with the gospel on a whole. On a whole, he used Peter and, and John. Mostly on a whole, I'm talking, he used a bunch of people to reach, but I'm saying as far as um, their ministry was focused mostly on the Jewish people, right? As well as many others around them. Their ministry was focused mostly on the Jewish people. Then you have Paul who was trained as a Pharisee from the youngest age he possibly could be, was well-versed and understood the law and every detail about it, and then God uses him to go and evangelize the Gentiles. Now, you would think it would have been the other way around. It would seem that Peter would have been better equipped to go reach the Gentiles that really didn't know much about God in general, except the gods that they'd made up in, their, in themselves, right? Because Peter was just an ordinary fisherman and then he would use Paul who was well versed in everything of the law and the prophets and everything you think that he would have used Paul to do most of the work with the Jewish people but God did the opposite isn't that interesting <laughs> he used Peter untrained to reach the Jews Paul even mentions that. He says, just as Peter's realm of influence and authority rested in the Jewish people, my realm of authority rested in the Gentile people. Amazing. Because if you and I likely were looking at them, we would, we would appointed Peter to reach the Gentiles and we would appointed Paul to reach the Jews, right? Why? Because that's what they had naturally been more trained along those lines, if you will. I mean, Peter wasn't a Jew, so it's not like he didn't know, but he wasn't trained in the law and in the prophet. He didn't know all the details, right? So I want you to stop and think about that because what, what you realize about God is he most often picks people who seem very unqualified for what it is they're doing. <laughs> They're, they would seem qualified to do something else, but they sure as heck don't seem qualified to do that. And yet that's how God uses them. That's how God produces a, a, 
a massive amount of fruit for his kingdom in their life. He blesses them in something that most of the time you and I would look at them and go, they aren't even equipped for that. I don't even know how they qualify for that position because that's how God is. Because we don't stand in our own assurance. We don't stand in our own ability. We don't uh, stand in our own qualification. We stand in the sufficiency, the ability, the might, and the qualification of God himself. So think about that next time when you feel inadequate. And like I said early on, basically it boils down to this. You're just going to have to tell your um, feelings, suck it up, buttercup. Get over yourself. Because you may feel unqualified, but God is the one that's qualified. If he's called you to it, if there's a burning desire on the inside of you, then you know God has called you. You know he has equipped you. I'm not saying there aren't things that you're not going to have to do. There are going to be things you're going to have to do to move along in that qualification, right? So I couldn't just be anointed and chosen by God, anointed and appointed by God to be a pastor and, and be in ministry without giving adequate amount of time in prayer and the word of God and anything and everything else that God has told me that I need to do to make the work that I do better. So I can reach more people, produce more fruit um, for his kingdom and for his glory, right? So I'm not saying there aren't things you aren't going to have to do, but the reality is, and even in all the things that I do, I still feel inadequate. <laughs> 99.9% of the time. I walk away from a service and if, you know, if like it's a church service or that my husband's been with me or whatever, you know, both of us were always ministering during Sundays, so he doesn't usually hear the sermons that I preach. Likewise, I don't hear the ones he does either. So, um, anymore I don't get to do this but used to before when we were both in the same service all the time I'd say was that any good because <laughs> I didn't feel like it was inadequacy feelings of inadequacy are going to rise up and you're just going to have to tell them to shut up because you're not dependent upon your own ability your own skill your own power your own might your own qualifications if God's called you to it and you'll know he has because there's a burning desire on the inside of you you just feel drawn that this is an assignment that you must do something about then you can trust God to equip you and qualify you to accomplish that which he has began in you and through you in Jesus name Father, thank you so much. Thank you for just doing things opposite all of, of the way we would most of the time do it. And when we feel weak, we need to do like your word says. Let the weak say, I am strong. Because we know that you, God, are the strength. You, God, are the strength of our lives. And that our strength comes from you, that it's no longer we who live, but you, Christ, who lives in and through us, that it's not by our might and it's not by our power, but it is by your spirit, that you're a trustworthy God, that you're faithful and true, that you will never let us down, that you will direct every one of our steps as we lean into you 
and trust you in everything as we roll our works over onto you, Father God. You cause our our will, our feelings and our emotions, our souls to come into agreement with your will and thought, purpose and deed. And so shall our plans succeed. In Jesus name, I give you glory, Father God, that you call us to be strong in the power of the Lord, in your might, not our might, not our strength, but your strength. Because when we're weak, you are strong and we don't put our trust in any uh, human being and we don't put our trust in any piece of equipment or any certain organization or the government or anything else, but our trust is solely in you and our victory comes from you and we give you glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.